We are coming towards you, madmen, dreading your death talk. God. It's just that by me keeping it real, I always said where I came from. Black and brown and Asian and Native American people have always been the first victims of oppression and repression in this country. Let me tell you before we even start, I just wanted to come in with a different set of energy because last episode I came in like, this is the Exit the Matrix podcast. We'd like to welcome you. And I felt like we were in a coffee shop or something. So I wanted, because I know we had the intro music in and I worked hard on the intro music and I wanted to turn it up. So this is Exit the Matrix. I'm a mean. That's the moment. Moment is me. Yeah. And uh, we have a great show for you today. Uh, this is going to be uh, sort of our um, uh, drug conversation. This is going to be our, you know, uh, altered state conversation. And uh, I have a uh, article. I don't know if you guys have heard about this, you human people. Um, but uh, last week, the Baltimore State Attorney, uh, Marilyn Mosby, has said that she will not be uh, trying any more. Uh, misdemeanor marijuana cases in all of Baltimore. So, so what's that mean? Does that mean like, uh, like if you're in Baltimore, you know what I'm saying? You you burn one, uh, whoop, one two come yeah. by. This is what that means. That means she is not going to. Uh, there's not going to be any adjudication. There's not going to be any judge saying this or this is not going to happen. It's just going to be. You can still get arrested. I mean, I don't. Right. I don't think that that's saying she that we can't. That she's doing everything that she has the power to do to, right, right. You know, uh, she murky the water. Legalize. She does not have the power as a district attorney, but she can say, "I'm not wasting court resources on this bullshit." That's 100 percent what she's saying. And actually, there was a wink, wink, nudge, nudge situation uh, about six months ago where she was basically telling the chief of police. You know, we're not interested in these cases. Please tell your officers to stop making these arrests. But just like police and uh, the fraternity of the police, they were like, let's continue to um, arrest these people in Baltimore for having, you know, two grams of weed or smoking a J. So basically she said, I'm not even going to try them anymore, so stop bringing them in. Right. And if we remember, like, she... She has beef, though, right? Like, because this is the uh, prosecuting attorney that came in and she actually tried the law officers that led to the extrajudicial murder of Freddie Gray, right? Right. And so she made no friends on the force with that. Now, when I think about what a progressive prosecutor looks like, this is what I want to see. This is a very big difference to me than someone like, say, Kamala Harris, who did exactly the opposite. She prosecuted sex workers. She prosecuted people with low-level drug uh, convictions. And the conviction rates under her went way, way, way up. There is no denying how uh, impactful she was for the prison industrial complex in in her state. Right, right. I mean, it's, it's... it's undeniable. I mean, it, the, her record is that bad. Right. So, like, now in version two, you get to be like, oh, no, I smoked weed. Yeah, yeah. but you sent people to jail for Which this. Which makes you a hypocrite. You know what I'm it saying? makes you a part of the system. I'm like, against sex. I, I'm I'm pro-sex work. Yeah, but you, you voted for SESTA. Like, these are things yeah. that you did, and we get to look at that record. But when we're talking about a, a Marilyn um, Mosby, she's taking hard stances. And those are things that I like to look at because we have all of these laws. And the prosecuting attorney, it's on them to determine what will be prioritized and what will not be prioritized as far as, like, seeking punishment from the system. It's wild to me that someone can uh, embezzle a million dollars from a bank and go to a white-collar criminal jail, right, whereas someone steals $300 from you at knife point you know, it's 10 to 20. It's right. hard time. In the state penitentiary. In there with rapists and murderers. Yeah. You know? Um, well, I, you know, I think it, you're talking about the challenging of the status quo. Like, I, I don't, I think politicians still are just so keen to playing it safe that 
you know, until public opinion is swayed in a certain way, they don't make any stances, and that hurts them in the long run. Right. I mean, it's it's all of that language of, like... Just rhetoric. Soft on crime. Well, look, you let the guy that stole a million dollars get house arrest. You gave the guy that stole $300 10 to 20. Who's soft on crime? I think we need to put that in the the Wokesionary. The hard on crime, soft on crime, that, that, that like... What right. that actually means, you know, right. and 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 have that conversation because um, that's actually. I just think that like you were saying, like when we have progressive status quo challenging um, uh, uh, conversations, you know what I'm saying? That we're talking about politicians because that's what everyone I think of the conversations that we always have. Like, absolutely, where are our politicians bar? Like, where can I start to engage you and say? Okay, you're someone now that I at least will pay attention to. Right. And I think that a lot of these candidates are not doing that. So, so uh, Marilyn Mosby, someone I'm looking at. Right and now. that's someone I'm. This is someone, someone that I'm someone looking, I'm looking at, at right now. This is a hard line stance, and it's challenging the status quo. It's definitely costing her something. It's absolutely costing her something, and I think you, this is not like you said. This is the second time right. where she has had a hard status quo challenging. Uh, opinion with the Baltimore State Police. I mean, the Baltimore City Police. And if you, we were just talking about the wire, you know what I'm saying? Like, you should, uh, and I'll, I'll say this too. I had a friend who went into uh, the military, and when they came back, um, you know, he went into the police force in Baltimore. Mm. This is a person I've known since high school. Right. And the stories that he would tell me about, like, the, you know, we always make fun of it. Dave Chappelle did it all the time, sprinkling a, sprinkling a little crack on him. You know, after you, right. you, know, you don't have a reason to arrest somebody. Right, right. I mean, those things still are happening. I think that, you know, we look at it like a joke, like, wow, that's what they were doing back in the 90s, sprinkling coke on people. Right. No, that happens now. It still happens, right? And, that, and that's the thing, right? So I go to grad school in Baltimore. I go to the University of Baltimore. Shout out to Baltimore Shout right now. Shout out to Baltimore. Much love to Baltimore. It's a very sexy city. Very sexy city. Um, but there are parts of Baltimore that are not conventionally sexy. And by that, I mean they hood as fuck. Yep. Like, as soon as you get away from the harbor, it gets to hood real fucking fast. And I love that, personally, you know? But I remember when I was being courted by the grad school, you know, and I was like, oh, man, it would be cool to be in a city where the wire was. And I remember, like, immediately, like, my counselor was like, you know, we, we don't really like to talk about the wire in Baltimore. And I'm like, but why, though? Like, she's like, it just paints such a bad picture of the city, you know? <laughs> And I'm like, but it's the fucking city, though. Like, this ain't really changed. And I can get why, like, if you're, like, a, a you know, like a, a, a well-to-do or even, you know, just at the bougie level of whiteness, why, like, this would be a terrible portrayal of the city. But again, this is the city, you know? Yeah, and I think even more so they are, they, they're not inclined to admit that the police force are corrupt. Is just as corrupt and, and, right. and to, to the point right. of really making it uh, not even um, – it's like it be, when the police force is that f corrupt right. and is that you know, uh, basically uh, just incapable of, of doing the things that they say they're going to do, you, know, you can't admit that. You right. can't admit the police force is that incompetent. Right. And when we're talking about corrupt, right, we don't even mean like Serpico like taking payoffs, but – to be in service to a law that you know is is unjust is a form of corruption, right? So, like, if you are working for a politician, it's like, I need to make sure my arrests on drug users are up to show that I'm tough on crime. Right. Well, and well, that's okay. So that brings us all the way around because now we're having – because I hear that a lot. But let's look back at the example that we have with um, – uh, the the Baltimore um, uh, state attorney, uh, Marilyn Mosby. Here we are. Okay, she is now telling the police, hey, stop doing this, but they continue to do it. And if I know anything about the Baltimore police force, you know, it is a lot of these guys that come from the counties surrounding, not to say that, um, you know, police of color still don't do horrific things, right. but you're you're now bringing these guys, you know, who are coming in really, man, to bust some skulls, and you're and you're telling them, hey, don't bust skulls. You know that's also about this this fraternity and, and brotherhood that exists in in police. That it's still like, you know, it's still a bravado game, right, you know, right, that right, they're right. doing. So you know, and and also, uh, and I think you know, you're <laughs> J Cole, the most uh, just competent rapper in the game, um, 
I mean, I mean that in terms of you know he yeah. just passes the bar. He just yeah, passes yeah, yeah, the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but 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 I really appreciate some of the things that he said because someone kind of gave him that softball question and knock out the park. Like, oh well, what do you think about good police and bad police? And he was having the conversation like just like you were talking about, where you know as soon as you exist on top of something as toxic right. and you know pervasive because and I can choose to this, not enforce it as well. The same way that Mosby is like, this is unjust, man. Yeah. people are gonna smoke a little weed. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's yeah. real. So I have some stats here. Compare and contrast it maybe like, uh, so like D.C. is a decriminalized city. Right. Not legal. What's the difference, say, on paper with with the, the Baltimore situation as opposed to like the D.C. situation? All right, so right now what we're looking like in, um, in well, not us, but shout out to Maryland. Uh, uh, right now in Maryland, uh, marijuana is not um, decriminalized. They are working on that. Um, it, it is to a certain extent, but um, what we're still talking about is a medical marijuana state. It does not have uh, the apparatus right now to decriminalize to a point where we, they can move towards uh, an actual recreational legal situation. Right. Um, so because of that, it's still... Um, it any still amount is, is absolutely criminal. Any any amount that's shout out to the the choppers right now. It's going over it, yo. Hey, hey, they just want to listen first, man. They yeah. they get the exclusive. <laughs> shout yeah. out to Snowden living his best life, eating fucking right, 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 right. and fucking snow and shit. We're gonna definitely talk about the surveillance states today. <laughs> I'm I'm very excited about it. Um, so yeah, in Maryland, it's any of any amount of weed is uh is illegal. Um, in Washington D.C., it's been decriminalized to. A, a couple of things. It's a really complicated law. If you don't know, uh, uh, cannabis in Washington, D.C. was decriminalized about three years ago. They said it was legalized, but there's so many caveats. Um, two ounces and less, okay? Um, and you have to base, you have to be 21 years of age and you really have to, you have to be using cannabis on private property. Yo, bro, that's a lot though, man. Like two ounces is a fucking lot. Like, I could probably count in my life time the amount of times I've seen two ounces in a lay person, like just in a round. Like, that's a fucking lot, bro. Yeah, well, it's okay. So that's the point about it. You still can't technically exchange it for money. Right. You have to barter it. It's just a ridiculous law. It, well, so they had to do that because. We are Washington D.C. is a federal district, right? Right. So right, there's right. so many ridiculous loopholes that we have to go through. So if you're on federal land, uh, automatically, I mean, federal jurisdiction always has has jurisdiction, right? But like being like, of course, you don't want to cross the street and be at the Smithsonian because now it's not a, a D.C. police department type situation. Now it's homeland, huh? Correct. Correct. So, but this is what's even more fucked up about it because they extend it in Washington D.C. To, to say that federal land is any sort of government housing. Mm. So if you're being, um, you know, if you if you receive any sort of government uh, right. uh, funding or anything for your rent, uh, you are now not even allowed to smoke in private property. So and that's going to be pretty much any apartment chain. That's going to be any apartment situation. So it's still... It's something that favors the privileged. 100%. And what privileged. was so interesting is it was something... It, and this was in Baltimore too. It was like ninety three percent of arrests and citations are given to black citizens. Right. I mean, and you and you look at that, and and this law does very little to change that. Right. And you talk about truly a victimist clan, bro. Like people aren't shooting people street dead in the streets for like the weed trade. Like really, that's not even the drug trade. But yeah. you think it is, but it's really not. Like. But this definitely is not. So it's like essentially the equivalent of someone is smoking a cigarette, right? Someone is smoking something that looks like a cigarette. Maybe, let's say, worst case scenario, does the damage secondhand that a cigarette does. And that's, that would be quite a stretch, right? And the official response is we have the right potentially to kill this person. Like to arrest this person, which may lead to actions that may lead to the death of this person. First, And, and, and what's interesting to me is... From a from an entrepreneurial point of point of view, I don't understand how this is not a Republican po uh, talking point. They're all about uh, on paper entrepreneurship, right? They're about laissez-faire capitalism, and there's clearly a market for this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they should be, but I think everything that they're they're uh, I, that they're focusing on right now is just um, you know 
anything that doesn't fit into the the white supremacist narrative and the Christian narrative and right. all those narratives. You know, it, it the Republican Party I think has been sh- so shifted at, at right, this right, point. Right. They're not really recognizable from those core values. I I, I think that or whatever the fuck you want to call them. Not that I give a shit about old Republicans. No, 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 no. No, but, but I, mean, I but it is it is fun to values. witness. I mean, well, I mean, we're we're having the conversation of what's happening in the bubble. I, right, I, I right, see right. what's happening in the bubble. I don't care about any of it or do I agree right. with any of it, but yeah, I see that it exists there. Um, so speaking of the government, um, since this is our, our, our drug show, Jay Ruggs. Um, <laughs> I wanted to know um, what, what your favorite uh, TV, cinema, uh, drug dealers, um, drug entrepreneurs, let's call them drug entrepreneurs. Right, I think that's, that's, right, 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 right. that's certainly uh, uh, So for television, do, let, I should focus on fictional characters, right? Well, I think... Or media, right? Well, like, I mean, like, I, I think that there's three categories, right? Okay. You have the fictional TV uh, or, or cinema uh, right. drug dealer, I think, um, you know... The Nino Brown. Nino Brown. Nino Brown is, is right. You know, Scarface. Scarface. Okay, right. Perfect. Right. Great example. These are not my picks, but I'm just trying to understand the. the... You know, Tony Soprano. I guess okay. you could you could put you could okay. put in there. They are they are primarily fiction. Interesting. They... You know, I've actually I'm not caught up on my Sopranos. I really don't. I know that he's a mob boss, but I don't know what his area of of dominance is. So if you say drugs, that's interesting. Well, I guess I haven't thought about the other yeah, Soprano. I mean, yeah, they deal with drugs in that show. Okay. Um. Yeah, um, but there—it's always, you know, what I think. What's interesting about the um, the the mafia sort of narrative is right. always like, oh, we don't do drugs, you know. Oh, like it's some sort of like big moral conundrum they have. Yeah, we can murder on. people and strangle them, but we don't do drugs. I'm gonna tell you, man. So really, here's the thing about street shit that a lot of people don't get, right? Um, street shit is incredibly regimented, right? The same way the military is. Like, there's guys in the military. They're sharpshooters. That's what the fuck they do. You got guys that are par- paratroopers. That's what the fuck they do, right? Street shit is the same way. Very few people that are in the streets for a, any kind of period of time are jack of all trades. If you murder yeah. Inc., if you that dude, that's what you do. You're not murder Inc. and also, you know what I'm saying, Nino Brown. That's normally, like, so, So like, I get from a mafia point of view, like, they had other hustles. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so it matters. But, I mean, it, it all depends on the family. So going to that, right, are we starting with, with real-life people first? Well, I mean, I like... I save it for that. I mean, I wanted to kind of get into um, the... I mean, we can... Yeah. All However right, you want it to all flow, right, bro. Let me, I'm going to start, start, uh, start with fictional ones, right? So number one for me is um, there was a Giancarlo... What's his name? Giancarlo Esposito? Okay. He, uh, man, he actually would make the list twice for me because he played an incredible uh, heroin dealer in this movie Fresh back in the day. It's a hood classic. Oh, yeah. Was that with, uh, oh, don't tell me, is that, um, is uh, Samuel L. Jackson in that movie? Yes. I have seen that movie, man. That is a great underrated. I it's feel a like great movie. Giancarlo Esposito is an incredible dope dealer there. But if, if he makes the list, he has to make it as a homeboy from uh, Breaking Bad. What, what's his name? Um... Yeah, no, I can't think of it now. I know, right? Gus Fring. Yeah. Gus Fring. Gus Fring is number one for me. Really? Number one. Uh, He's unassuming. He's very clever. And I'm going to tell you what, man. His backstory fascinates me. We've never gotten to it. We know that he came up in Chile. He was a gangster under the Pinochet regime. You know what I'm saying? Like That's the reason why the Mexican mob is like, we know who you are. And that's the only reason we're not going to fucking kill your ass. And then they killed his brother. <laughs> like, this yeah, nigga wasn't made. Like, we not fucking with Pinochet and all them niggas, so we going to let you ride with it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my God. Facts. Meanwhile, he off in New Mexico acting like the best chicken slanger of all time. Yeah. Like, he's so honest. This nigga is a booster for the police, bruh. Like, he's showing up to fucking police fucking soccer day and shit. He's sponsoring the kids and shit. Like, he is a man that is totally in touch with, like, the ego death. And that makes him incredibly capable. Yeah, I think the ego death is important uh, when it comes. Because we don't, we, we you know, drug dealing is so much about bravado. Or drug entrepreneurship. Right. I'm sorry, is so right. much about bravado, you know. And when you can allow people to have that bravado. I, I remember, um, God, we were just thinking about The Wire, but... Um, I forget the name of the character. We should have done yeah, well, he, the wires. Definitely is gonna be my number There's, two guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, well, that's gonna segue into to to mine. You know, there are the um, 
the drug entrepreneurship facilitators right. that often do play that role, that that middleman role. Right. Um, so who's your number one? So it, from so for me, I've been just sort of thinking about it, and um, I gotta. I know this is a huge. Uh, this is a huge debate between me and my sister, but uh, I really like Marlo Stanfield uh, from over the Wire. Barksdale. Okay, over Barksdale. Yes, that's fascinating. Barksdale well, is my number two. I didn't like Marlo because I don't like the discipline of his crew. I I, I will say this is why why I like uh, Marlo so much as a fictional character, you know, because he's he he does make me he he terrifies me as a uh, as an opponent. Right. You know what I mean? Because right. he's very Game of Thrones in that way, where where he will. He will kind of manipulate a situation That's in real. a way that you don't see it, and then really do something gr- so grimy that you you kind of didn't expect it it, it to come. Exactly you know, exactly the opposite of Gus Fring. Like he's right. actually more ego raging to me than even Nino Brown. You know what I'm saying? It's like when like the fucking lawyer is like trying to move him through the fucking the right way. You know, he's like, fuck that. I want to go out and be out on the streets and shit. I'm like, bruh. Yeah, I love it, man. I love it. I got it really. You. I, and that's and but see and but what I'm saying is I don't look at it through the perspective of how I would have handled that situation. Right, right, I look right. at it as a cinematic uh, experience, and it reminds to me it reminds me of the guys who like who are you know who are fighters. You know, right. like I you know I watch the UFC a lot, I watch MMA, and, 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 you know, a lot. The, the, you can tell that there are certain fighters that are in love with the art of fighting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and I feel like Marlo was really in Absolutely. love with the art. Of drug entrepreneurship, and he really had the stomach for it, and he and it was just who he was as a person. Okay, and he and he didn't really want to manipulate that situation. So I think, like for me, like I, we're both poets, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I'm a poet, but I don't know. Like I think I do things as a person that makes me a good poet, but it transfers to a lot of other things. I think there are some people that are just born to be writers, man. Right, like right. that's their thing, and that's not that's not me. It is a part of my repertoire. Right, right. But I think if then the way that people are born to be writers. I think Marlo uh, was was kind of born real, to have real. this type of uh, okay. situation. Anyway. My number two dude, I would say, is Salasso from the original Godfather. Shout out to one of the greatest mob classics of all time. Yes. I feel like people really underestimate who Salasso was in that this was a person who was already representing an international consortium. And I think a lot of people mm-hmm. that watch The Godfather are missing that, right? So, like, when he's talking and Sonny's flipping out for the deal, it's because Sonny realizes, one, this is the future, and two, this guy has his shit together. He's already got the rest of the five families behind him in New York, which controls United States distribution. He's got the processing plants already popping off in Sicily, right? And they're growing it in Turkey. This man is already international with his shit. Damn. And he's just reaching out to the Godfather like, hey, bro, this is a courtesy, bro. I'm really about to get this shit popping. I'm going to go ahead and kick you your tithe. Let me know what you need. He can't even assume that the Godfather going to be like, nah, bro, I ain't with this shit. And then, and then, right, it's limited because the Godfather, right, they're representing that family that, that was making their money off the gambling. And so they want the gambling because, again, people are specialists. Right? They didn't know shit about no drugs. They knew everything about the gambling. And so that's why that's what they want to do. Salazzo, number two. Who you uh, got? Um, okay, so I am going to go. Um, have you seen. Oh my goodness, I'm just looking up the movie Shadows. Have you seen the movie Shadows? I have not, but everybody tells me about it. Yo, it has a 19% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. I am shocked by that, that wow. I'm just looking that up. I have to do some research into that. Because Shadows is a badass movie. Um, so I can see why it would be something the critics wouldn't love. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. It's It feels so, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, wire, wire to me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? In Who's that, you do? Who's you do? Um, so I'm t- uh, the person that um, that I'm trying. I'm trying, just can't think of the name. So the um, what's his name? Um, uh, Kaimani Marley. Okay. He he, he plays uh, the the. So he's the, his character in there is is one of my favorites because he he's coming from Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's more of a, he's you know he has more of a gangster, but he kind of gets into that that that, right. that drug dealer kind of mode. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. And, right. He, and he is kind of an upstart. Um, and he comes from Jamaica, and he has this thick Jamaican accent. And as soon as he gets you know to the the states, he kind of has this uh, moment where he switches it to an American accent, mm. and it's so incredibly well done. And I don't think 
uh, and like I said, I'm looking at it in terms of the aspect of how right. the portrayal was. Um, when I think you're just kind of going for the the not just kind of, but going for the ones that like you rock with the most and how did it in the way that you wanted them, you know, to right. do it. Competency. Yeah, that competency. You know what I'm saying? But just that acting performance of mm. that because we talk a lot. I feel like you know the British actors are you know, this uh, standard of theater and acting and at the creation of accents, you know. Hey, bro, but we didn't talk about it before, man. British 12 accents. Twelve white men. This yeah. Is 12. <laughs> <laughs> oh, British. oh, shout out to the audience. Yo, help us, tell us, who in the audience, who would you put in Hollywood in your 12 yeah. white men? Yeah, yeah. The compelling Oscar-gripping tale of... Yeah, get on that. The Of, you know, how white people learn that it's okay not to be racist. All right, let's That's do it. Whole thing. Let's do it. Yeah. So, so, so anyway, that that was my my second one. I'm gonna get the name. I, All right. My research is terrible, but I do remember that specific moment, like just the portrayal of the accents. You know what I'm saying? It brought me. It such. It, it right. brought me into the movie in a certain way, and I think it did for a lot of other people. But because it's kind of a hood movie, right. we don't look at it like, wow, this is a brilliant acting moment. I remember they, the everyone was talking about it when it came out. I'm actually mm. shocked it has 19. Yeah. Um, please let us know what you feel about. Shot is the movie. And it's, our picks. it's up there and for me. Yeah, and our picks. I'm gonna come with the. I'm gonna come with the third pick for me again. An international badass that people don't even know unless you know, and that's gonna be Mr. Lennox from Belly. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh dang it! When you're okay. talking about sauced out, bro. You sauced. You gotta connect this all the way back in Kingston, and you making it rock in New York City. Yo, bro, you got. People begging you to get to work that literally can't even be tied to you. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, bro, just let me get to work, man. Let me get to work. Hey, bro, you know, I, I don't know if I want to fuck with you. <laughs> <laughs> you, you a little hot, yeah. What's your, what's your um, in terms of Belly as a movie, where do you rank it? Where, where do you oh, have it? It's a guilty pleasure, man. It's and, a guilty know, pleasure movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a little ho-ho tappy, you know what I'm saying? But it, it's a feel-good film. If you can get back into the moment when it came out and you can relive that nostalgia, man. it's a great movie, man. Man, you know what? I'm always down to watch watch it though i mean it's not i mean always down to watch it that's so facts bro that's real like i don't like that shit i might have to drop the dime on that nigga man i don't don't like that (laughs) all right uh let's do what let's do real live all right all right so um so i wanted to just because we're um let's go three two one okay 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 i just i have first i want to give a honorable mention to uh, since we're in washington dc to rayful edmund uh, Rayful Edmond was um, the first big uh, crack dealer in Washington, D.C. Okay. Um, he's been locked up for a long time right now, and I actually think that he's about to get out. I'm not going to you know, say why he's about to get out. Right, I'm not right, going right. to involve myself in that, but um, he was about to uh, get out, and he was he's known in, in Washington, D.C., you know, as a as as the guy, you know, he was mm. the biggest guy. He was making that, you know, two million dollars, uh, I think, a, a week, you know, and he right. was basically and 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 why he was so infamous here is because he was flashing his money so incredibly heavy, stunting so heavy that he brought the attention of the police. And right. his defense was, you know, I'm just winning it. And he was a big gambler. So he was just saying, I'm winning all this money because I'm gambling. And it was just this back and forth right. for years uh, he was playing. But um, I wanted to break mine up. I wanted to break mine up. So I, I will say that I'm going to go ahead and say Rafael Edmond is my uh, drug dealer for the East Coast. Okay. He's my East Coast drug dealer, numero uno for me. Okay. Uh, all right. So my third pick would be... Wait, are we talking? We're talking about real live drug dealers. Now, real right? live. Drug okay, dealers. so he's my People. three. He's my number three. Okay, he's your number three. He's your number three. For me, uh, I would say very underrated. Not a lot of people know how much H he sold in China. I'm gonna say uh, General Chiang Kai-shek, right? Mm, like me. they still uh, General Chiang Kai-shek and the dope that they moved through China, man. I mean, when you have a nation on lock. You know, and the Kuomintang, Kum, I'm fucking that word up bad. But uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Those were the guys that were defeated by the communists. You know, think about that, man. Mao Zedong was literally fighting the international drug dealer warlord of China, and people still try to play like he was the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, man. <laughs> yeah, man. He was moving that H for uh, for Britain, essentially. And uh, yeah. That's how you really make that money, man. If you can move opium 
around and get Man. it to and get it to Europe. Man. Oh, you can be a rich person. So he's number three for me. Okay, so number two for me, uh, number two for me is uh, uh, Miguel Angel Felix Gallardo. Do you know who that is? I do not. So if you had seen Narcos season three, like I had asked you to, you know what I'm saying, you would know. So, um, so he uh, was. Have you heard of the Sinaloan cartel? I have. So he was uh, the godfather okay. um, of the Sinaloan cartel. And he really was much more of a trafficker in the truest sense of... Okay, okay. He didn't really um, have anything to do with the production. He just had the transportation. And if you know anything about, um, you know, the the drug game and the drug trafficking game, making it is, is certainly hard. But right. getting it across that is infamous that, that Mexican border Facts. is really difficult. Right. Um, so... Uh, basically, he just created the network. Now, he's also famous because his brother, uh, Rafi, uh, created the biggest uh, cannabis field ever seized. <laughs> and he did it in the middle of the desert. These guys had a world-class irrigation system. And it was, uh, if you watch Narco Season 3, you'll see it. Okay. Um, you know, uh, and... Basically, they seized it, and it was this huge thing on the news, but because they were trafficking so much, it didn't even affect them. Um, and basically, the Sinaloan cartel right now is the biggest cartel in the world because mm. of because of what um, because of 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 what uh, Angel Gallardo did. And do you know who was his number one shooter for who's many that? years? Who's that? Who's that? That would be the uh, El Chapo. <laughs> uh, so he came up under nothing like watching a capo come up uh, and become a don. Right, right, right. And he came up. He came up um, through the uh, Sinaloa cartel with uh, uh, and Hella Gallardo. What the happened with Chapo, man? It's like and the he's end back like, in jail, man. Well, yeah, but I mean, I feel like he was flogged. Like he wanted to get caught by the end, man. My number two dude would be, of course, Pablo Escobar. Pablo, I was definitely thinking about Pablo. Pablo man. is my number two. When you have so much money uh, that people are like, yo, we should just launder this money like the mafia did. And he's like, are you fucking kidding me? I make way more money than what who, who he said. Uh, fucking uh, the guy from Chicago, the, the mobster. Al Capone. Al Capone. I make yeah. way more money than Al Capone ever did. That shit won't work. When you're burying money at GPS locations because <laughs> it's just too fucking much. I think, the, I think when you're on Pablo's level, I think the money becomes irrelevant because yeah. it's so much of it. You, you just want to get rid of it so you don't right. have problems. Right. And that's how these guys can pay. That's how Pablo paid off it's still a basically flosser, all of man. A habitual flosser. He was everything you wanted in a, in a drug entrepreneur. Right. Man. When you're taking your kids and taking photos in front of the White House and shit, you are really yeah. being fucking saucy now. I mean, I think he, like, I think... Pablo had those aspirations. He, he, want, he wanted to run the country. I mean, he wanted to. He, he, he was. To be a he had that Fidel kind of. Fuck uh, your he, bite your tongue. Bite your tongue. <laughs> you fucking fuck you. Bite your tongue. I'm Fidel just, kicked the fucking dope dealers out. You yeah, fuck. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you can say what you want. I, I, you can I say both, Batista. He's like Batista. Then they get to dig. Get kicked out. Who was working for the mafia? Uh yeah. Yeah, I, look, man, the the conundrum that that the little tanky the cud, goddamn it. Yeah, well, I mean, the conundrum that Pablo created. He made so much money, and he and he made himself a political figure, and he just had so many fuck yous to the status quo. That's it was a beautiful fact. to watch. That is fact. I do. I, I we can have peace on those. Terms. Let's have peace on there. On those I appreciate terms. you. That, right. Okay, pounce. All right, who's your number two? Uh, so oh, so this is my number. This is my number one. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's this is my at. number one, and I got to go with Freeway Ricky Russ. Oh, right. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, and so there's just a couple reasons. Um, you know, he had he had went to jail. He had got out, and then he basically was set up again um, by the yeah. FBI. Set up again. He yeah. did take the bait, but why he makes my number one is he... You know, sometimes guys get out early. We know why. I'm not gonna, you know, have that have that conversation. But, uh, you know, he got himself out of prison with a basically a loophole that yeah. he found. You know, yeah. and I think that, uh, you know, uh, uh, Rick Ross 
the real Rick Ross, we should say, yeah. I should say, um, you know, he was a star tennis player in Compton. He had a lot of these gifts, you know, he just sort You're of right. was a really, and that, that the, what I was talking about with um, the Sinaloa cartel, you know, they had this incredibly brilliant uh, irrigation system that they used to uh, grow, grow cannabis. And if you look what was going on with uh, Rick, Rick, uh, 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 Rick Ross, the dude was just so intelligent, man, and he knew how to run the game. The guy was making more money, really, than anybody in, in American drug entrepreneur history. With the exception of my number one person, Which is? His boss, George H.W.B. <laughs> Boop! Number one drug dealer of all time, Of huh? all time. Yo, I'll trade you this dope for these AKs. Yo. And that's all you got to say about that one. Yeah, yeah. I, what, what was um, George uh, George Senior when he he uh, he had picked up? Do you remember? I think it was him where he had found that uh, he was saying that someone had tried to sell coke. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. In in like Lafayette Park or something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. That. But the whole thing was set up. The whole thing yeah, was Webb a wrote setup. about that before he uh, <clears throat> tragically took he his tra- life. Took his own life. Yeah. What yeah. about the wife and his kids, man? Yeah, you do drop dead, man, as soon as you start talking about uh, the war on drugs, man, and you start uh, having some facts about that stuff, man. You do Wars pop need bodies, yo. Wars <sighs> need bodies. Yeah, shoot. Maybe we should move on. <laughs> 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 you know, just I will let you know that we we do mo- mostly, uh, mo- mostly we are high during these podcasts. I have um, no idea what he's talking you know, about. I am an upstanding... <laughs> Citizen, okay, no, I believe in. There's rule no of reason law. to lie. To let me pull up. Let me pull up the segment since you can't I'm looking, find I'm looking, nothing. I'm looking. It's personal stories. On um, oh, pers- so this is what I wanted stories. to talk about, and this brings a, this is a great conversation, great segue. <laughs> I mean, great job, me. Go Leo, Leo yeah. season, baby. We coming soon, baby. You know, July's yeah, on the way. But um, I wanted to talk to you because I would consider myself a stoner. I, I, do you consider yourself a stoner? I uh, inhaled. You inhaled. <laughs> All right. Because uh, it's part of breathing, you know. I I understand. I understand. I'm a stoner. I inhale, smoke. Inhale, exhale. <sighs> yeah, that's all you're doing. Good job, man. Yeah. Keep your lungs filled. I keep my lungs filled. There we are. Um, so I wanted to just kind of have a conversation about, um, like this stoner portrayal that exists, uh, in in cinema mm. and uh, just exists in media of like, what happens to people who like smoke a lot of weed and they're all. Uh, you know, like the lazy and hungry and all these different kind of and things. And unintelligent. And really stupid. Bruh, I tested for Mensa in fucking sixth grade, bruh. I mean, it's like, well, I guess I haven't taken it since then, so I don't know. Maybe I'm no longer Mensa material. I, what is Mensa? What's that? Oh, so Mensa is like this. That's some Generation X shit, isn't it? No, no, no. Mensa's old as shit, bruh. Mensa is like this... I mean, so it's some like generation action. a league of extraordinary gentle people, right? Uh-huh. Like, uh, Mensa is supposed to be uh, a, 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 an intellectual society that represents the upper 2% of intellect on the planet. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, all right. Some some high That's shit. some fucking elitist bullshit, though. It is. No, it totally <laughs> okay. is. It totally is. All right. All right. No, I, I, I can see that you are incredibly smart. Why would you be on a podcast with me, who is also incredibly smart? Because fuck that shit, man. Yeah, you we're know, just two smart people. Right, 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 right. I think we can never figure out whether we're ragging on each other or we're showing love to each other. Because <laughs> we is do there it so. A difference? Ca- I don't fucking I don't, know. I don't think that there is a difference. Not man. at all. Uh, yeah, but I remember Personal stories. Um, so so interesting. We're talking <laughs> about uh, drug entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. I also uh, was a drug entrepreneur early in my life. Um, and I, uh, used to, I used to sell Oxycontin pills. I used to sell, uh, you know, I'm not going to get too far into exactly right, what right, was going right, on, right, right. but those things, you know, I was an entrepreneur in that regard. Uh, so what ended up happening is you, you, you know, when you coming up in the game, there's a lot of hustles that you have. So I was kind of had, I bought a car, you know, kind of in a shady way. I, I, I didn't really, uh, have any, um, paperwork for it at the moment. Um, so I was trying to get all that together. So what I had done was I had stole a license plate oh, wow. from someone else's car. This is what I, the reckless type wow. of shit that I was doing. I stole a license plate from another car, put it on this car that I sort of shadily owned, um, and I was trying to sell it to one of my friends. He needed a car. <laughs> oh, so I was trying to show him that it runs, and I was just trying to do that like right. while we was also I had to make moves. And back then, 
there was no rideshare app and I wasn't about to spend all this money on taxis and all those other right, things. Right. This is the game, okay? This is what you have to do. So driving down the street, I have this big puffy orange coat on and um, in my pocket I have probably, I don't know, $1,000 worth of Oxycontins. Uh, and I used to keep them. Do you remember M&M Minis? I do. Okay, I fucked with M&M Minis and I realized they were a great place to put uh, pills. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're just looking out, okay, it's just a little something here. You know, so I had a $1,000 at least in my pocket with my homeboy. We're driving down the street, and then what do I see behind me? The reds and blues. So I'm initially in the car. I'm, I'm sort of freaking out. I'm like, fuck, man, I'm about to go to jail. So my, my homie in the Isn't car. Isn't that the worst feeling ever? It's the worst because it, feeling. Yeah, it's like before anything happens, you already see all of your life flashing before you. And, and that's like the best case scenario because it could just shoot your ass dead right then and there. Yeah, facts. And I had just, I think I had just maybe just turned 18 and I was trying to finish, you know, just trying to get through my life, man. And after high school is a really difficult situation that people don't want to have a conversation with, especially if you're not going off to college another point for another time. Right, right. Um, but yeah, we pretty much got pulled over in a car that was not registered to me with a license plate that I had stole off of another car with $1,000 worth of Oxycons that I had no ability to show why I had them. Wow. So I get out the car and, you know, uh, you know, he's asking me a bunch of questions. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm staying as calm as possible. Um, and, you know, my friend in the car, uh, who is um, a black man, uh, was being questioned as well. Um, and we didn't know any better. Like I said, we were like 17 or 18. Um, and they, they pat, they searched him. You know what I'm saying? They went, you know, got, you know how they do. Went all up in his pants, you know, in his socks, all, all that stuff that they do. And I was sitting having a conversation like, you know, I had just bought this car and I wanted to show my friend. And, you know, we were just driving down the street. We can certainly go back. You know, all those conversations that you have to do, make sure the officer knows that they are number one and you're right. terrified. And, you know, you just got to give them that Please ego. Please don't kill me, sir. Yeah, because. Please don't kill me. <laughs> because they love that. I'll be they, good, sir. Please don't kill me. Right. So, I, mind you, I'm having a conversation with him with all these oxycontin. I probably had all kind of paraphernalia in the car, too. <laughs> So I just kind of talked to him. He's like, oh, where do you go to school? I was like, oh, I'll go to school right, right over here. You know, we, I, we'll just drive back. And he's like, all right, well, you drive back and make sure not to drive this car again. And we pulled right off, man. Yeah. Did he ask you if you're an American? <laughs> <laughs> That's he a story not. for another story day. Story for another time. You That's got any story. stories, personal stories? I do, I do, man. I actually never sold, right? But, I mean, coming up as a hood kid, all of the homies did, right? So I was never without if I wanted to have. And I like to party. So, like... It was, you know what I'm saying, it was a bunch of the homies, you know, what I really did was, like, I was just getting started in my poetry career, but I was still actually doing a lot of corporate work, man, lots of IT work, you know, and just making a relatively decent amount of money for a young-ass dude. So, like, any day I wanted to do it, man, we could do it up. So, like, we was up at the house, you know what I'm saying, and uh, we had some friends over, uh, and uh, they had some friends from Afghan named Kush. And, uh, you know, it was like a yak type day. I think we was burning, uh, oh, dude, it was, uh, we were sipping on, I mean, because it's totally a yak thing, right? So, House of Kowalski. So, we sipping on EXO and uh, burning some Kush and, um, you know, saging the house for evil spirits is what we're doing. And uh, so, we, I get a knock on my fucking door, yo. I get a knock. So, it's like, knock, 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 knock. I'm like, you know, I'm looking at the homies. I'm like, is there anybody else supposed to be coming to this motherfucker? And they like, nah. So I go to the door, and this is old, crusty-ass-looking, like, white lady, which is no shade to crusty-ass-looking white ladies, but this one was, like, extra crusty-ass-looking. You got to call a spade a spade, she man. Was, right? And she's like, um, yo, you, you got that stuff? And I'm laughing to myself. I'm like, what the fuck is this bullshit, <laughs> man? Is this really? Shout out to LR fuck-ass PD, man. And uh, back when I was living in Little Rock. And so, like, uh, I'm like, no. No, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, and you need to leave. Close the fucking door, right? Because I'm like, is this shit real shit? Like, the cops just came to my house, and like, because I'm a balling-ass black dude, I gotta be selling fucking dope, you know? And uh, we wilding out and shit. Now, meanwhile, don't, we're like, okay, now, th these are the fucking cops. They're literally out there, and they think that, so this is not gonna be the end of the situation. So, like, all we have is, like, maybe a couple of fucking J's, even though, you know, we doing the most, but we didn't done it. You know, it's, it's like... It's already intaked. It's fucking done. Yeah, yeah, you can smell it all over the house, but ain't nothing to find, you know? And so, you know, 10 minutes later, here they come. 
they at the fucking door with a fucking warrant. And I'm like, and there goes the thing. And you know, why the shit stood out to me, man, because it was just another day in the fucking hood, how these motherfuckers always want to come at you, right? But my neighbors hated me because, like, we was just a bunch of young, wild black kids having a fucking great fucking life. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it was, But, like, we, we never did. But the cops fucking said to me, we're just here for the guns and the mother load. Yo, they will say wild shit to you. I got pulled over in Baltimore. I'm going to let you finish this. I got pulled over in Baltimore. And they play, they try, I used to get pulled over all the time. Um, and they pulled me out the car and they were searching my car. And the guy just literally goes to me. He's like, where's the drugs, man? Where just they at? tell me where the drugs are, man. Bitch, you tell me. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, bro. You have to get the canine up here, man. I'm letting you know I don't got nothing on me, dog. Yeah, that like, shit is illegal, man. We don't do that shit. Yeah, I mean, they were actually more mad when they went through the house that they couldn't find shit. Because it, it hurts their, their fucking egos. Yeah, I'm just thinking as a taxpayer, like, goddamn, y'all are incompetent. And the fuck, thing man. is, like, don't they have to get a warrant? Like, they have to call a judge at that time. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember yeah. we got, when we were in... Um, they burned a lot of resources on what was supposed to be a sting for really just... And they don't iTunes. find anything. Yeah. They don't find anything. We were having a party at, oh my God. Can I even say this at Cupsy? No shit. <laughs> at Cupsy. At oh Cupsy. my god. Yeah, if you, know, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Um, and basically, you know, there were uh, there was alcohol and there was um, cannabis, you know, and God knows what else in this house. And you know, they came in and you know they got the probable cause when they smelled the the cannabis, and they basically had to sit and wait there for like two and a half hours while they tried to see if they could get a judge to sign off on a warrant so they could search the house. So two and a half hours later, we're at Cupsy, mind you, with all kind of, you know what I'm saying, our younger peers, college students. Uh, and we're just sitting there for, I mean, we all have the bout tomorrow, and we're literally sitting in this person's house for mm. two hours waiting to see if a judge will give us right. the warrant, which they ended up not doing anyway. Right. So, Facts. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I have so many more stories. We have to yeah. do a whole podcast based off nah, real, the real stories, talk, man. man. Survive the police. You know, that's an important thread because every time you get pulled over as a person of color, you know, you, you have to wonder how is this going to go for you. They talk about the danger to law enforcement, and, and there is some danger associated with the job, but it's not even a top 10 dangerous job in America. What, what I what actually was watching was a, uh, I think it was last week tonight, where they're doing a expose on um lumberjacks right and that's it's by far oh way far the most dangerous job that you can have in the united states and well, i don't in, in the in the coastal you know because uh deep sea fishing is number one like those guys would be out there you know getting you them crab legs yo oh right and falling over and yeah. yeah drowning in a some perfect storm george yeah. clooney situation yeah yeah no super di- but lumberjacking mean, is very dangerous yeah top i mean three i think we can say that both of those jobs jobs are in much more dangerous uh to loss of life than being a police officer right. i totally reject that right. because most people are incredibly already afraid of police officers nobody wants that problem bro it's a problem that never goes away so first off right so now they're going to turn into Gotham PD on your ass, right? Like, if you if you are the person that initiates that type of violence, that's what's going to happen. But also, it immediately kicks a federal rider. You know what I'm saying? And, like, so now you have all of the force of the alphabet with, with a crime that has no statute of limitations. Like, it's just not a thing that regular people do. It's not even a thing that regular gangsters do. There's just no business. There's no money in it. Bro, do you remember Chris Dorner? I do. They they blew him up with a drone, bro. Yeah, yeah, no. And again, right? He wasn't, I mean, arrest this man, right? If he did a crime, arrest this man and allow a, a judge or a jury of his peers, right? And that doesn't mean the people that you work with to make a decision as to your inherent guilt or, or innocence. This was an American citizen. Yeah, and we that don't was not afforded to... due, due process at all. Yeah, and we don't even have to go as far. I mean, Chris Dorner, I think, is a great example and sort of has fallen off the, the planet. Radar, you know what I mean? Yeah. With the, I mean, it was the biggest story on the news for two or three right. days I, I can think of. Right. Um, but we have seen, you know, previously that you do not have to be a person with the type of information that Chris Dorner has to be basically executed. Right. Um, and those are things, man. Those are real things. I remember... As a Gen Xer, 
right? They always talked about, well, this is why we hate communism, state overreach, the fact that the government can kill you at any time. And I'm just sitting there and, and I'm staring in black boy. Like, what? Yeah. Well, this is what makes communism Can we dangerous? put that in the Wilkshire staring in black boy? <laughs> yeah, right. You know? I'm just, just like, this moment of like, is anyone else seeing this shit? <laughs> and that's what privilege is, man. It really is blinders, right? You're just unaware of it because it's not your reality. It could never be your reality. And that's why it's, 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 it's a real thing. And bringing it back sort of towards a conversation on, you know, the, the war, air quotes on drugs, war on right. drugs. You know, it, and I think the reason why, as we bring it back from, you know, I, I, from the, the conversation we were having earlier about um, marijuana use in, in Maryland and D.C., not to say that you better not get caught with marijuana in the Commonwealth. Oh, you know? shit. Yeah, so yeah, we, you in the South, South now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in Virginia, it's as bad as anybody is, is there is on uh, marijuana. But the one of the reasons I always hear about why marijuana continues to be um, illegal and prohibited is because it gives a strong scent. And because of that strong scent, police are able to say, because I smell this illegal substance, I now have probable cause to right. enter your space. Um, and that's one of the, the, uh, the, the conversations I always hear on why marijuana doesn't, isn't illegal, you know, because it allows you, you know, let's talk about how it's a gateway drug. Right. Well, it's a gateway drug for sure. A gateway for police to come into your house right. and, and search the rest of and your the shit. the very roots of it came from a very racist system. I mean, Anslinger was terrified of miscegenation. He was terrified that black jazz players were going to be fucking all these beautiful white women that were out there watching these jazz shows and... This is where the beginnings of all of those drug laws came from. It's fear of miscegenation, and it's inherently racist. You can't unplug it from the racism. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that also, I mean, that's incredible, right? To right. think that white supremacy is that um, uh How many lives entrenched. have we ruined? Yeah, I mean, you've ruined... I mean, also, there's also this conversation about um, the cartels, you know, and how, you know, the can cannabis if it were to be legalized in the United States, would hurt the the cartels. And it's, it's hurt right. them significantly as, as when it's uh, been legalized recreationally in Colorado and California and Washington State and all these other places that are opening up uh, recreationally. You know, it actually hurts the cartels. And actually, I at the end of the day, like, I would much rather like we were talking about small business, be a part right. of the conversation around cannabis, which it is not. It is now being given to, you know, the most privileged of, of people who would have, who, who will literally fire you. They will literally fire you if you are caught with cannabis or THC in your system while they're investing in cannabis as uh, a cash crop. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. And so that's pretty much our show for this week. But yo, we always still have our favorite segment, our last segment. Oh, the the shout outs and, and fuck, fuck yous. All right, damn. Okay. Your, I got quite a few fuck yous man, uh, this week. You know what I'm saying? Like, I kind of want to just go ahead and give you this, the, the shout outs and fuck yous, and then I'm going to play off what you're saying. All right, all right, all right. Well, I'm going to do my fuck yous. All right, so I can definitely play off the fuck yous. All right. Fuck you to Nancy Pelosi, right? Because right now I'm real pissed off for all of the way that the Democrats are cheating uh, the congressman from, from Minnesota. Uh, our Muslim, uh, what's her name? Uh, we were just having this conversation. Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Omar. Who made the most basic true statement of all time. Like, APAC is not Israel. The state of Israel is not the same thing as Jews. And also Palestinians are Semitic people, right? She's saying these very basic things. And somehow this is this radical thing that's pissing off all of those people. And the people that should be standing up for her, like Nancy Pelosi, has never criticized in a public way Stephen King, right? Not the author, but the, the white supremacist yeah. from Iowa, right? Who regularly says things like white supremacy is good, right? No, no, no legislation put to shame this guy, but, but uh, a black woman of color says this. Uh, and she wants to put up. So fuck, fuck. Nancy can I Pelosi. can I piggyback off that? Fuck you. Jump it's giving on. me a good idea for a Jump fuck on. you. And this is gonna hurt some of our audience. You know, uh, hopefully not many of our audience, but some of them, I assume. Fuck Bernie Sanders, man. Fuck Bernie because Sanders. Because Bernie Sanders had the same opportunity to. Um, uh, this is to, what real allyship is. This is what it is. He he had an opportunity to say, uh, because of course he was asked about it, and his same conversation was, oh. Well, we do know that Venezuela um, has, you know, their election has was a fraud. And we're like, what evidence do you have you to prove can't that? can't claim to be on the left, 
but then you're backing the president installing fascist dictators in the parts of the world with brown people. You can't be to be on the left and then be for that. So I, I co-sign that. Bow. Fuck Bernie Sanders. Uh, fuck anyone. This is kind of like a double dip, but fuck anyone against reparations. Yeah. Fuck this cold-ass D.C. weather. It's been cold as shit. Fuck the patriarchy. Fuck Michael Jackson. Bitch, we know you did it. And whatever fucking shame comes to you, you fucking earn that. I don't give a fuck that you were traumatized. That's a conversation we can have. But your trauma does not fucking justify the violence that you have brought in your fucking life. And good fucking music don't change that. Which keeps it rolling into fuck motherfucking R. Kelly. I don't give a fuck what happened to you. I don't give a fuck that you feel like you're being ostracized. You call yourself the Pie Piper. I'm from Chicago. You a fucking embarrassment to us all. Which brings us to my last fuck you uh-huh. from Chicago. Fuck Oprah motherfucking Winfrey. Oh, because you got bombs. some shit to say about he's Michael dropping Jackson. Bombs. Which you should. Everything you can say about Michael Jackson is real. But we also got pictures of you booed up with motherfucking Harvey Weinstein. We got pictures of you kicking it with fucking Air Cheeto. Cheeto Mussolini for 20 fucking years. With all of the shit he's done. Real social justice is used to punch the fuck up. So punch the fuck up. You want to talk about this fucking violence? You want to talk about sex? violence talk about these powerful white men that are in your fucking circles you have the money you have the platform and the, the fact that you choose to throw shots at dead black people we see you what was so funny man i remember when oprah she had came out uh this was during the black lives matter movement the, the when the when the movement really started to bubble up they were she was asked about it and i think she was saying like you know i'm waiting for leadership to come to the forefront you know, so I can get behind whatever leadership that they have. And I'm like, like, who else is going to come to the forefront other than you? Who are you waiting for? You know? Be the hero yeah. that you want to see. Yeah, be the change that you want to see you know in the saying? game, baby. Um, so I'll, I'll, you gave me some ideas uh, for fuck yous, man. Fuck the, the Baltimore City Police Force yeah. uh, in general. Fuck the Chicago PD, yeah. you know, for sure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just a big fuck you to rape culture in general. Yeah. Uh, a big f- uh, fuck you to Kevin Spacey. A big fuck you to yeah. Jared Leto and, and all these, you know. And also, man, you know, guys like uh, Paul Walker. I know people don't want to have a conversation, you know what I'm saying? Because people don't want to talk ill about the dead, bro. But you know that you was grooming these young Rooming. girls, man. Yeah, a lot of these celebrities out here grooming these young girls. So, so actually, and uh, a big fuck you, man, to grooming, you know, in general. There's a lot of yep. other conversations that we can have about that, about, you know, uh, people in the, the industry, you know, looking for that power couple situation. How can I you know, get a part of that in grooming these people? So that's my, my fuck yous. All right, what's up with the shout outs, man? Shout outs. Um, shit, man. Who do I want to shout out? You got some shout out? Give me. I do, man. I want to hey, play off your shout outs. Real talk, real talk. Shout out to uh, my dear friend and homie, fucking Ruth, who just had a really killer ass motherfucking comedy set in in Dallas. When y'all see her on Netflix, you motherfuckers will know you heard it first. Uh, shout out to motherfucking Keita Marshall, one of the fiercest, illest fucking poets in the motherfucking game. Underrated, underrespected, but dangerous, dangerous, drippy pen. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to the motherfucking Click. You know what I'm saying? All of y'all out there writing beautiful things, speaking fiercely. Shout out to my co-host and amazing good dude, Drew Law. Man, yeah, you mean a lot to me. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to uh, my brother Malachi, also known as Malpractice. Hell yes. Um, he's in Princeton right now doing his, uh, his Thug Thizzle. Um, he just uh, dropped another project. He dropped another project on Set top of your head. Uh, well, Chimera was um, the I mean, also an incredible album that was released. Uh, I want to say um, in December or November okay. of so this year. So he got year. some of the newer than He that? got a new new jump. That's jump. the shit I'm talking about this right is, there. He's giving you music all the way through. We haven't talked about music. We got to do that next next program. Yes. We're going to talk a lot about music. Um, but yeah, shout out to him and his his projects, man. I want to give a big shout out to. Um, I want to give a big shout out to man. Um, I want to give a big shout out to Serena Williams, man. Hell just yeah. because, man, she just deserves it all the time. You know, to always hear Greatest this conversation. Greatest athlete of all time. Yeah, we need to have a conversation about, um, you know, the, the dominance of of you know women athletes, man. I, I remember we were talking, we we're watching um, 
uh, the Amanda Nunes fight. Right, you know what right, I'm saying? Right, like, right, right. And people talk about, you know, like I said, I'm a big MMA fan. You know, everyone talks about, oh, the pound for pound king. She's the pound for pound king in the world. There's nobody that the distance between her and another fighter is is wider than it is between any other fighter in the, the UFC. But, you know, just shout out to women at athletics, man. I, I'm also, uh, you know, I'm working on another podcast that's, that's with my homie. That's the one sport that I'm the yeah. most complicated about, right? Like, because in everything else, I want to see everybody co-compete, right? I feel like Serena Williams has should have every shot she wants to to play any man at Wimbledon. But I'm very mixed about, like, physical contact. But, like, in my mind, I'm sitting there thinking about Nunez, and I'm thinking, like, Nunez at her prime would have touched GSP. She would have touched his fucking face. And this is a beast. GSP is one of the greatest fighters of all time. And I feel like Nunez is probably iller, bro. I mean, if you were to take um, Amanda... I mean, look, I, I definitely want to say that if you were to take Serena Williams and she was in the 80s, she would be the best in the world, period. She'd be crushing Macro. Yeah, yeah, destroying them, destroying them. So, you know, I mean, fucking I think... Andre that, Agassi gonna be fucking Serena? No, no, no. Fuck out of here. Got, I mean, Pete Sampras. Fuck out of here. I mean, you, think, you think she no wasn't way. giving work to Pete Sampras? Nah. Absolutely. No way. Absolutely. So, you know, and also shout out to the, the Washington Mystics, man. They went to the, the finals last year. Man, I'm a big fan. I'm ready for the season to pop off. You know, I love D.C. sports, man. I'm, I'm, I'm heavy into it, man. So shout out to the Mystics. And that's our episode. This has been Exit the Matrix. Remember, you can find us at exitthematrixpodcast.com. And uh, make sure to email us at exitthematrixpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Matrix Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Matrix Podcast. And on Facebook at Exit the Matrix Podcast. Feel free to send us words that you think belong in the Wokesionary. Yeah, let's get this Wokesionary yeah, popped yeah, off. Yeah, we y'all. need that. We need that. <laughs> we need your help. And um, yeah, stay tuned. We'll be here next week, man, talking about probably music. I don't know. We should talk about drug dealer rap. Yeah. That's the, the drug drug rap, man. That's the best. Holla. Holla. Like the bread.